Welcome back to another Legit Bat Podcast. Today we have Midnight Mike from the OBDM, our Big Dumb Mouth podcast and YouTube stream. Check them out if you haven't yet. They are hilarious. One of my favorite all-time shows. It's obdmpod.com. And I think they pretty much serve up their podcast anywhere you uh, listen. So check them out. Give them a listen. Follow them at obdmpod on Instagram. And enjoy the chat. See you next time. Uh, well, in uh, June, and we got in. It was like the the market was, you know, crazy at that point in time. No one no one knew what was going to happen with COVID or if they were going to clamp down on mortgages and loans more. So we got in and got a pretty good deal, we think. But who know? I mean, I'm just amazed that uh, the economy is still rolling after all this shit that's going on. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. But that's crazy. We actually bought our house in June too. We, uh, our uh, lease was up on our rental and we were like, fuck, we need to get a house and get, you know, while the market's good before it crashes and happened to squeak in and in June and it's been okay since. I mean, we didn't get that great of a deal, but get what you can do. We overpaid get. for ours. We overpaid for our house. We know we did, but we had yep. to in order to secure it because it was in the, the location that we wanted with the amount of land that we needed. And so we had to, we just had to go in big. Oh Yeah. Well, my wife was set on uh, getting a house with a pool because we're out here in California, in Northern California, and it's a fucking desert during the summer here. Yeah, I mean, we hit like 110 degrees, so she's like, we got to have a pool, got to have a pool. Finally found one. Pretty sure we overpaid too, but. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. We were in, uh, we uh, moved from Phoenix to Ohio, so we uh, were familiar with the super hot summers. <laughs> so did you just move to Ohio in June then? You lived in Phoenix yeah. until then? Oh, wow. Well, I lived in, we lived in Ohio majority of our, our lives and we were just in Phoenix two years and, cool. uh, we were like, uh, it's great. Love Phoenix, miss it. But we wanted to be closer to friends and family and be able to start, uh, growing crops and raising chickens and goats. And it's tough to do that in Arizona. Um, and we just got more bang for a buck back here in Ohio. Oh yeah. Uh, I was, some of my friends were looking at Texas and, uh, I mean, a lot of people in California were looking at Texas, obviously, but I guess you yeah. can get crazy deals down there, but then you got to live in Texas, you know. I've never been there, but I'm not a big fan of it. <laughs> it's good. I like it. Every time I've been there, I've uh, I've loved Texas. It's got, uh, it's it's uh, it's a weird state. It's huge, but I've had nothing but positive interactions there when uh, when I have gone. I've driven through the Panhandle a few times. I've, I've hung out in Dallas, uh, Fort Worth area, and uh, I've actually quite enjoyed it. It's, it's actually pretty nice huh yeah i plan on checking it out at some point i mean if rogan moved out there it's, it can't be all bad nah i mean when we moved out west my wife was wanting to move to california and um i kind of steered her away from that uh, because the tech market is super hyper competitive and i work in the tech industry i'm a technically a software developer infrastructure engineer for uh big companies and we would have to move, you know, someplace closer to Silicon Valley, possibly. And it's uh, I'm not that good to compete with those kids doing uh, doing what they do. So Phoenix was the uh, the compromise, and uh, it actually worked out very well. We we love Phoenix, and it was uh, it was good to us. Nice. 
Yeah, it's definitely crazy out here. I, California has always been crazy, but this last, I mean, for everybody, this last year has just been obscene with Newsom's fucking dictatorial mandates. And they, I'm, we're kind of stuck out here now because of kids and all that stuff, but just going to wait well, and see where it goes. We need good people everywhere, you know? Not everyone <laughs> can move. You know, Someone's got to be behind enemy lines. We're, we're going to be the uh, People's Republic of California here pretty soon. Yeah, I was... Uh, I was chit-chatting with Sam Tripoli about that uh, a few weeks ago, um, and uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, just web website stuff. And he knew I moved to Ohio, and he was like, "I'm in, I'm in California, dude. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna ride it out." And but then he was like, "I don't know, maybe I should move to uh, Texas or Colorado. I love Colorado." And uh, that's where Charlie just, lives, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, Charlie lives in Colorado, I believe. And uh, and I was saying, was this bullshitting? But uh, uh, I mean, the, the the comedy scene is, you know, they're in like two places. You, you, I mean, really in, in the United States, you got New York City and you got L.A. Yep. And uh, hopefully now that Rogan is drawing more people into Texas, maybe Austin will be another hotspot. I mean, there's great comedy everywhere. There's great comedy spots everywhere. Las Vegas is huge, too, obviously. Uh, but when you think of comedy, um, you think of primarily those two places in the United States of America. Then you ha- you think of Montreal for the Montreal Comedy Festival that happens every year. Um, those are the big ones. So hopefully have you it'll ever spread done, out. And, have you that? ever done any comedy, any stand-up or anything like that? Uh, just sporadic. You know, I I, uh, I did uh, you know, just a few open mics every now and again. I got some bits. I mean, I would probably do it every two years, maybe every three years, but... You know, it's really hard to write punchlines, man. Well, that's a that's a hundred percent more comedy than most people have ever done. I don't think I have it in me. I can't talk in front of people. I could I could probably get over it, but I just I wouldn't have enough confidence in my material to actually get up there and put myself out there. It's fucking nerve wracking, man. It is. Yeah, it's a unique experience. I I do urge people to try it if they think that they got even like a an inkling for uh, being funny or telling jokes, try it. It's just a, it's an experience that is like no other. I played in metal bands and rock bands and you're up there on stage with your friends. And so you got a guitar in front of you, you got a microphone. There's a, there's a bit of a barrier between you and the audience. And then you also have your, your friends to rely on when it comes to uh, not being so embarrassed if someone fucks up. But when you're right. up there on stage by yourself with just you and a microphone, you can, and there's no loud amps behind you to mask no clapping or whatever. Uh, it can be heartbreaking. It can be gut-wrenching, embarrassing. Every emotion swirled up into one. It's a unique experience. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I've, I've wanted to be in a band for a long time, but I just, it's, you know, I'm an adult. I, I don't have time for that shit anymore. I barely have time to do this. And this is a, this is what I want to do as far as fun time, you know, my, my off time, obviously. I'm on vacation talking to you right now. Uh, you got ben, kids? Yeah, I do have two. They're in the other room. I'm actually in my uh, son's room right now. I kicked you him podcast out. Podcast from your son's room? Hell yeah! You kicked <laughs> him out of his own room so he could podcast. <laughs> he's on distance learning because of the COVID, <laughs> so he's he's been locked down at home anyway. Anyway, uh, Ben just joined. Ben, this is Mike. Midnight Mike to some. My little brother hey, Ben. ben. He hey, was... Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, man? Oh, not too bad. Just got done getting a nice old bowl of mac and cheese. Nice. That sounds delicious. It is. 
So Ben yeah, isn't I, probably familiar with your show as much. If you want to, I mean, just for the listeners too, if you're a maniac and don't listen to OBDM, I'm a religious listener, Mike, just so you know. Every Saturday, you're on my big TV and I'm cracking up at you and uh, Cratchit and Joe. But uh, give us an overview of uh, the bizarreness that is your show for the people who don't know. Uh, the best way to, to put OBDM or Our Big Dumb Mouth is a mix of... Art Bell and Coast to Coast AM kind of paranormal and conspiracy talk with like Howard Stern and, and Opie and Anthony. We run it kind of like a morning show. It's a very fast paced, a lot of sound bites like this. Pieces of fucking shit. Like yes. that. Uh, it can be very crude. We have sex with those dudes. They look good. <laughs> uh, we talk about current events like politics and the election, COVID, what have you. But uh, I, I, uh, I'm i obsessed with UFOs, uh, the paranormal and off the beaten path conspiracies. And my co-host, Joe, he loves uh, the political talk. And so we kind of mesh it all together and we take calls and we try to have as much fun with these dark topics as possible. Dude, uh, Joe's rants are the best. I, uh, I caught the one a couple probably been a couple months ago now where you had to actually take it off YouTube and edit it out. Yeah. And I could, anybody can only imagine what the fuck he said, but I've seen enough of him to know that I, I have a pretty good idea, but it's still funny. Yeah. I, I went to, I met, I met Joe at uh, the Columbus college of art and design in 1996. And we just kind of hit it off. Uh, I, at the time I didn't know he was like a, a gay anarchist. We, we were just <laughs> a, a couple of guys uh, that were really into animation, cartoons, goofing around and having fun. And we basically had our college experience together, um, drawing, making art. And we reconnected a, a few years after college. I started doing the podcast. And uh, a few years later, he joined the show. Um, I didn't know how passionate Joe was about politics until we started, until we started podcasting. Um, some of that came out in college every now and again. But... Um, since he's been able to find his voice in the podcast, it just is, he, he goes hard. He oh, has yeah. an opinion. He, he he knows how to state his opinion. And I appreciate that about anybody. If you have a stance, if you have a position, say it, say it with conviction, let the, let the world hear you. Yeah. yeah. I think everybody this last year has become a lot more involved in politics than we ever fucking wanted to. I, I've never been into politics either. I just kind of observed from afar and never really gave a shit about either side. I think they're all just the same pile of shit but uh this year has really turned heads in both directions uh, mostly against each other you know the divide and conquer method it seems that way it's it seems like the the powers that be whether that's the media or ruling elite they've done a good job at forcing us to choose a team yeah and well there's it, it a seems like that was kind of the plan Speaking of the media, uh, we did a couple shows with Charlie, and uh, we basically just go off on our hatred of the media. But uh, there was some uh, Giuliani did a press conference today. Did you see anything about that? I didn't get a chance to watch it yet because it's like an hour and a fucking half. But uh, I watched a little clip, and then uh, my wife was looking at the reaction from CNN and C-SPAN and all that. And they, it's in Fox, they're opposite perspectives on the exact same thing. It's insane. Uh, CNN's like this bonkers Giuliani press conference, uh, you know, no facts behind election fraud. And then Fox is like, fiery press conference from Giuliani. It's insane. We're just sitting in the middle here going, what? What is happening? I, I listened to it. I listened to a good chunk of it. I listened to Rudy speak. And uh, now that, that's the term. They're, 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 they keep bringing up the word uh, fraud. 
I think you can find voter impropriety or mishandling or misconduct. I think fraud is a loaded term to keep dwelling on that term. I think that's a, it does a disservice to the topic. Uh, what Rudy Giuliani uh, did do, he did bring up um, signed affidavit, affidavits that uh, uh, t- testimony from people that were on the ground uh, saw impropriety, mishandling of mail-in votes or or just reusing of the same votes over and over again, uh, upwards of 200 affidavits in, uh, I think, Michigan, and then some additional affidavits in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the uh, Philadelphia area. So that is evidence that can be presented in court and can be evaluated. So there is evidence of voter impropriety or misconduct. Uh, Whether or not that's coordinated fraud, I don't think that's proved as of yet. I don't think Rudy Giuliani did a good job at describing exactly what he had. He's, I think he's kind of off the rockers. I think he's got to hand the ball off to a, a younger lawyer who's a little bit more uh, uh, fleet on his feet to answer the questions. Uh, I don't think he did a very good job at the press conference, but he did have some evidence to present. Now, uh, the other lawyer that he was with, Sidney Powell, she is just a, she's a shark. And she was talking about the voting machines, the Dominion voting machines. That's what she is focusing on and how it appears that the votes that were registered with those Dominion voting voting machines were correlated and counted overseas. Um, So it's pretty odd by itself. I mean, that's weird. (laughs) Like, um, why would like when you sign up for a piece of technology, especially as something as, as important as of a vote counting machine, uh, you would expect like a whole list of like, the votes are going to be counted this way. It's going to go into this database. It will be counted here. And the database is backed up here in case there's any kind of fault or failure. We have a backup and then it'll be spit out here. Uh, at any, at any point in that chain says, no, the votes are actually going to be sent to a cloud service that is hosted in Venezuela and then counted there and rerouted back. That's a big red flag. Why would you? Why would you agree to that unless you want like that to happen? Well, it, and it, that's the same. They they're talking about Russian collusion in the first election, and but they're the left is now saying that everything's above board with this one, even though it's even crazier numbers than the first time. I just don't believe personally that Biden got more votes than any president in U.S. US history. I I can't see that happening. I can't see Trump getting that either, but. Biden, really? Come on, man. Well, I can't. I can't see the whole 138,000 back-to-back votes coming in for Biden without one Trump vote being registered in that time frame. I saw a meme that said, "Okay, so let's flip a quarter 138,000 times and act like each time it lands on the same tails or heads without ever once hitting the other side." I don't see 140,000 votes coming in back to back for Biden. I can't remember if it was Wisconsin, Philadelphia or Michigan without having a Trump vote submitted in any any one of or any other candidates or any other candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Highly unlikely. And I, I think Rudy Giuliani brought that up at, this, uh, at the press conference that they have statisticians there to uh, go over those uh, probabilities. So it's highly improbable that would happen. So yeah, there's, a, there's enough stuff there that would, uh, I, I think anybody who cares about the integrity of the, the election, there's enough stuff there to say, okay, why don't we just put everything on pause 
and have a full investigation. I mean, we did that for Russian collusion and they said they had evidence for Russian collusion. So we, we put together a special counsel. The, the entire country indulged in that process. It, even though people uh, kicking and screaming fought it, it still went through that investigative process. We should do the same here. I think fair is fair at this point. Yeah, that's why it's so bizarre that they just want to shut it down and say, why can't you get over it? It's, the election's over. President-elect Biden, which is just a, a media I don't, term right now. I don't now. think it's bizarre at all. For the same reason that they, quote unquote, you know, went through the investigation, the media has a push on that. Yes, we're going to go through the investigation because we don't like Trump. So they pushed the investigation. It went through. And when it came back that there was no collusion, the media went, oh, well, he's just hiding it. He got rid of the evidence, yada, yada, yada. In this manner, it's going to swing the other way. Oh, yeah. You know, the Republicans can't handle the fact that they lost fair and square. So they're going to downplay the investigation because they don't want the investigation. And then if it comes back that there was fraud, it's going to be, oh, this is just another tactic. He's completely cheating, blah, 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 blah. It's, it, it's never going to be happy either way for the media if Trump wins. And I'm not even a Trump supporter, but I don't see either way, whether it be that he won or he loses, that it's going to be supported that there was any kind of valid claim from the Trump administration that there was fraud. Just like there was no valid claim that he was innocent of collusion, according to the media. Right. This is all according to the media, too, which drives me insane. There is a no it's almost a, a lose lose scenario for Trump. Yeah. Regardless. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if he loses the election. OK, he, he loses his presidency. If he wins through the court, proving fraud or or a bunch of bunk ballots, then he loses in the media and that could spark uh, a large swath of riots and civil unrest. Um, that's just what I believe would happen. And after that, who, it depends on how far down the conspiracy rabbit hole you go. Um, any number of things could happen, whether that they ramp up a more uh, COVID uh, hype and, uh, and clamp that down more, or, or God knows what else they would do. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I told Ben the other day, I, I'm done trying to call anything this year. We've been yeah. talk, talking about this shit all year, trying to be like, oh, this is going to happen next. A fake UFO attack. I mean, you've probably heard that, the Project Bluebeam idea. Sure. But I'm trying to just sit back and watch now and maybe talk to people who might have a different opinion because I'm done. From here to the end of December, I'm just done. I don't think a fake UFO attack... Uh, will happen until you are going to until you get a different administration. Um, the the a, like a fake Project Blue Beam or Project Blue Beam fake UFO attack uh, is won't in my opinion will not happen until you get some old guard in the administration. It can't be a Donald Trump administration. It's got to be uh, Biden or Clinton or something like that. And I don't even know how well executed it would be uh, when it comes to that subject, the Clintons are really interested in UFOs. Bill Clinton has dug real deep into UFOs, at least so he claims. Uh, he's he's interested in the subject. His wife, Hillary, uh, I think she's passively interested in the subject. Uh, but John Podesta is definitely uh, interested in the subject and has pushed her to, you know, open up what she could had she become president to uh, reveal any kind of UFO information. So. I don't know. I think, but I think the whole, uh, the whole thing that with the UAPs and the USS Nimitz that was supposed to roll out underneath, uh, Hillary Clinton, it didn't happen. 
And any kind of Project Blue Beam scenario, I think, is not going to happen until 2025. Is that's long game. That's that's far off. Yeah, I'm I'm not expecting anything real soon. They've got enough on their hands with the COVID hype and all that. But uh, since you're a big UFO guy, what do you think about the recent, you know, the 2017 Tic Tac and the? I think a couple months ago they said that they have off-planet, you know, vehicle or materials from the vehicle. I was talking to my wife about that, and I'm like. So for the last basically 100 years, they've denied everything. We're not investigating it. UFOs are fake. Then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, we've, ha- we've actually had a pro- program for that. We spent like $20 million on it. and Oh, and we have some craft. It seems like soft disclosure, but we've been waiting for that for so long that I don't even give a shit anymore. Anything I see on the media about UFOs, I'm like, nah, not interested. I, I try to pay attention to this stuff as much as possible. Um Richard Dolan, who's a, a big uh, UFO researcher, he is of the opinion that uh, the craft that uh, was witnessed on FLIR camera, now he said this a few months ago, maybe earlier this year, I'm not, he maybe he's changed his opinion, but he said that uh, he believes that technology that was captured on the uh, video from the, the Navy pilots is uh, off-world technology uh, because simply we don't have that kind of tech that maneuvers that way. I, I am of the opinion that what was captured there, um, that vehicle, the, the Tic Tac vehicle, is probably United States Air Force. That is their, I think, super high-tech drone that is using some pretty amazing technology propulsion and, and energy system. Um, now, the reason why I say that is because the radar tape uh, that captured that USS Nimitz encounter, I believe, was confiscated by the United States Air Force. So they probably didn't want a record of that. Uh, I, I believe that uh, so the United States Air Force has their UFO tech pro- program going. And then conversely, the United States Navy probably has their own version of a UFO program going. Same with the Army. And now Space Force, like each branch of the military probably has their own version of implementing UFO technology, crash retrieval technology. And either one of them really doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, I I work in a a giant company, a a huge company, and I work on this particular piece of software and we developed it and we think it's amazing. It can can monitor all this stuff and we can we can we can monitor servers and and make sure everything is working the way it should. And we, we told the rest of the company we have this. Well, it turns out uh, a lot of other groups within the same company have a similar piece of software. We didn't realize it because we are so compartmentalized and we, didn't, we weren't telling people what we were doing because we wanted to keep it on a down low and we wanted to rush the market and basically be the owners in our space of this monitor, server monitoring technology that uh, they weren't aware of what we're doing. And plus, we were competing with these other groups too. I think a very similar mindset happens within these large bureaucratic structures, especially the military, where they're not telling each other what they're doing, uh, what they're doing. I think the Air Force has some awesome stuff. So does the Navy, the Army and Space Force. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it makes sense. flavors of it all. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, there's a different rate than what my wife is. They're called AOs, Aviation Ordnance. And so they do the bombs and everything for F-18s. And she said that they have huge rate pride. You know, they even have a slogan on uh, their license plate. Uh, it's called IOYUS, which means if uh, if you ain't ordinance, you ain't shit. 
And uh, their whole thing is that they make the bombs. Well, she talked to one of them, and his entire job was to put the pin in the bomb. Another uh, person that she talked to, their entire job was to put the thin on the bomb. And the reason for it is they're not going to allow one person to go through the assembly line and completely assemble one whole bomb and know how that's done. The same thing could be with this UFO technology. They're not going to cross reference except for in the severe higher up the information between these different uh tech equipment and protocols because why would they ever give all of that information to one entity uh to have all of it that, that's necessary i think that there is a very small uh cabinet percentage that would know all the information on it uh whether it be in the pentagon or even across other branches the fbi cia nsa uh to actually have all of that info together, which then makes up the entire project. Uh, I don't think that they would ever allow that kind of information in any facet to be anything other than hearsay to the majority, 99.99% of the people in those entity groups. Well, that's the the compartmentalization of government. And that's why it, whenever somebody says, well, if they couldn't have kept it a secret for this long, for that many people knowing, yeah, they can, because not very many people actually know how all this stuff works. There's a very small group and everyone right. else who's working on it. Like Mike, I think I can't remember if it was you that mentioned it, but the, the Manhattan project, there was over a hundred thousand people that were working on that. Not one secret leaked. It's yeah. It's, it, I mean, I, I, that's why I don't like these, these, these uh, horrible arguments with government, uh, like uh, government's bad or government's great. Government's evil. I think there's, there's good people within every large yeah. structure that, that want to do the, the right thing. And I think when it comes to UFOs, there are people that are aware of the situation and want to do the right thing and open up to the public. They just don't know how to do that. They try to. I think there's probably a couple people within the Pentagon that have the answers. And they're probably some real old dudes. And uh, they've been around for a long time. I think the majority of this technology and the knowledge uh, resides in the private sector where FOIA requests do not work because they it, at that point in time, that technology is proprietary business technology and they don't have to release it to the, uh, to, to the public because it's part of their business process. And so the standard government way of you asking for information about some government project doesn't work on a business. Here, the, the dilemma that I think that we're going to be in here is in, that we're probably already in is put yourself in the mindset of these groups that maybe have they have access to this tech technology that can change the world when it comes to travel, transportation, power, energy, climate, all this stuff. Are they going to be good people and say, we need to release this to the public and we need to help humanity? Or are they going to say, we need to hold this back and use it for ourselves? We're actually more powerful than any government. We can go talk to the aliens. We don't have to be, have some government liaison be, behind us. We can just do it ourselves. We have the technology. It's, uh, I, I think uh, uh, it, there's a lot of UFO researchers out there that would classify that as a, a, a parallel civilization, like a split civilization where we're down here with our gas-powered cars, and there's like a small group of people that have anti-gravity technology. They can do anything they want. Yeah, it, it's probably the way it's always worked to some extent, too. Probably. You th do you think there's a, that civilization has bases on the moon? Or do you think there's anything that's like a permanent structure on the moon? I would say if they have the technology 
uh, they have some of this incredible stuff that, uh, and they have it like, if they can get it down consistently, meaning that they can leave and come and go as they want and don't have to worry about crashes or refueling or any sort of logistical problems. And yeah, they probably have bases on the moon at this point. It would make, it would make sense. Well, yeah. I mean, at that point, do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Yeah. It would make sense. Uh, I mean, just when I like this, the, 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 the couple hours I spent in the desert with a night vision scope, looking at the night sky, you know, I would swear that I saw stuff leave the atmosphere and that it was incredible. It, it, some kind of incredible situation where either there is, there is some sort of alien life that is just going to and from at their leisure, or there's some group here on earth that is able to just shoot stuff up into space willy nilly and do, do that all the time without being seen or discovered or investigated. Yep. It, it's hard to tell. I mean, you, all we know is what we see on TV or on the internet. So there's no way of actually verifying any of this. So have you actually seen UFOs yourself or is it just uh, the, the lights moving fast or just the, the night vision uh, through night vision goggles in Sedona, Arizona. Um, that's what I did for my honeymoon. You know, my wife and I and our, our families, we went instead of, you know, going to a strip club, but you'd, Normally, a guy would do. We went to the the desert and and tried to find UFOs in the sky with night vision goggles. My kind of and people. I, I saw stuff. Uh, my wife saw stuff. I think everyone in our group saw uh, what could only be described as a UFO. It wasn't blinking. It didn't appear to be military uh, craft. There's no uh, light blinking. There's no designation on it. And we saw a craft that uh, left the atmosphere. I saw one, I saw this light that was moving through like like this star cluster and it paused and then just kept going. So I don't know I don't know what that was, but I did see quite a few uh sky anomalies out there. I mean that's the closest thing that I've come to seeing a UFO. I haven't seen a silvery disc or anything like that. Yeah, I I've, I've never seen any of it and I've done plenty of psychedelics and other things that we just talked to a guy last night about his UFO experiences and he was on uh, quite a bit of mushrooms when he saw a, a huge UFO right over his house. And the mushrooms hadn't even hit yet. It was like 20 minutes into eating them, and he saw this huge UFO over his house. But I'm like, what the hell? I've never seen anything. Where what? was that at? That was, where did, Ben, where did he, I think in Florida. Was he in, in Florida at the time, Chaz, when he saw that? Yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, He's in Sarasota, and I think that he was in one of the beach suburbs of it when he saw it. Yeah, and this is just yeah, the, like a year or two ago. The, yeah, Florida's a, a a great area for looking at uh, UFOs, like right on right around the coast there, and it's a uh, phenomenal. If you if you're into sky watching and looking for UFOs, Florida's a great place for it. Well, I always get bummed out that I've never seen one, but then you know you've heard plenty of UFO stories and abductions and all that, and I don't think I actually want to now. Most of what I've heard is not. Uh, a net good at the end of the day. So I'm going to count myself yeah. lucky. I know. Unfortunately, some of the UFO stories that, uh, that I read, they tend to be a little bit more sinister. Um, yeah. You know, back in the, in the fifties, the UFO encounters were much more uh, cordial. They were on even ground. They typically some uh, humanoid looking people coming down, introducing themselves, shaking hands with humans saying, Hey, 
we're your space brothers. Hey, we're space brothers. We're here to help you out, you know, and we should be friends. And then through the 70s and 80s, it kind of turned into something a little bit more sinister. You had little gray beans with large eyes, insectoids, reptoids. It, it moved away from humanoid-looking things into stuff that is much more alien-looking and frightening. So that... Well, just, go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was going to say, just on a behavioral aspect, that would make m way more sense. If if you haven't visited a planet or, you know, suggesting that these are multiple different races of aliens or whatever, wouldn't it be much more understanding that coming into our atmosphere, landing, looking, you would be a little bit skeptical because... If I was in their point of view, having that kind of technology, who knows what kind of technology we have not having been here yet. If they are visiting or monitoring or anything like that, they have no idea if we're going to try to shoot them out of the sky or try to make contact with them. My suggest, I mean, my in my head, it would be way more understandable that they would be skeptical, be very cynical, be hostile, because why in the world would they want anybody else not having visited this planet? to find out if all they're trying to do is observe. Well, maybe they were friendly at the beginning and then they uh, hung around for a while and realized how fucked up humans are. And they're like, fuck these people. We're just going to come in also guns possible. blazing. But that, that brings me <laughs> yeah, back. I'm glad well. you, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that Ben though. Uh, what do you think about different races of aliens? Cause it does seem like there's several different types from all the way from reptilians to the greys to the Nordics and the Pleiadians, the beautiful blonde people. Yeah, I got uh, I got a lot of books on this, and uh, one of my favorite ones is the uh, uh, Extraterrestrial Field Guide. And uh, in that field guide, it's about 100 pages, and each page has like an illustration and a description of the aliens. Um, and obviously, the, the most common ones that we're familiar with are the uh, the grays, the the shorter big heads, and then you have the insectoids, and then the reptilian. Those are the most common ones that people will uh describe nowadays but you like you said you have the pleiadians which you know more human they usually have like platinum blonde hair very very good looking and but i like the weirder ones where <laughs> they are like robotic like robot aliens like those are the ones that i i i don't know why i'm because they i don't know maybe there's an aspect of uh you know, science fiction from the 1950s and 60s, where you have these like blocky robots coming down and interacting. Transformer with style. Very, yeah, stuff like that. Um, but then there are reports of, um, and how, how close are you guys to the Mojave Desert? A couple hours. So, I mean, uh, reason why I ask, Mojave Desert is a, uh, is a great place <clears throat> for UFO watching and the stories of, of UFO. description of the story I heard which was a couple that was out camping in the Mojave Desert, and they saw this light in the sky. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, they started hearing these noises around them. They retreated back to their camper, and they saw all these little red lights. They thought they were little red eyes, like almost like these little gremlin creatures that were kind of surrounding them. And so they were, they were scared shitless at that point. They were just kind of hiding out in their camper, hoping this whole thing just blows over. Uh, it didn't happen. What happened like was like this mist started to appear in their camper. It calmed them. It calmed them down. They became very docile, at which point a, a pale, tall humanoid entered and interacted with them and performed some sort of experiment on them. 
And then he left and the little red gremlin people kind of all faded away. Uh, it's a very brief description of uh, like a horrific ordeal that they went through. But just in there, you're, you have like a bunch of different things. You have like little gremlin creatures. You have uh, magic mist and you have an entity coming in, interacting with people. It may seem like alien. It may seem high tech, but I'm also open to the idea that this is transdimensional. This is other dimensional. These are beings that we can call them alien, but they're from some parallel dimension that is just way beyond our thought process. And they interact with us with these these interactions because that's the only way they can communicate with us by drugging us, uh, making us docile so we don't shoot them and uh horrific looks i don't know it's it's a bizarre kind of thing to try to wrap your head around all these different types of aliens because people see i i what categorize uh maybe 57 that's what some people say there's 57 different aliens visiting us yeah who knows well that's why it's so crazy the the crossover between paranormal stuff and alien stuff it there's a huge overlap there that uh some people just want to deal with the nuts and bolts of the alien ship. It's an actual ship. But from most of the stories I've heard, it makes a lot more sense that it's some kind of interdimensional. I, every time we talk about aliens, I have to say that because that's my idea of the whole thing is that it is some kind of parallel universe or whatever you want to describe it with human language. I think that's what scares the, the Pentagon and the people at the top is that, um, yeah, there are uh, saucers that are built. They're technological craft. But then there are also other interactions that go beyond that, uh, that are equally as alien that us uh, humans can uh, interact with at our at our own will. And I think that uh, is terrifying because how do you how do you combat or how do you articulate a danger that lives in several dimensions higher than you is on a nonlinear timeline and can affect your past, present, and future at the same time? It's almost impossible to wrap your head around, so you ignore it and you won't tell anybody about it because you have no plan to combat it. Because you tell somebody, if you tell the American public, you know what, demons are real and they travel around in spacecraft. We can't really do anything about it. They they can impact your life and they're 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 taking people and we just really can't stop them at all. Um, the American public would would panic. They probably yeah. would panic. Well, I think the military well, I think, would freak out about anything they can't shoot with uh, a gun, you know. I think that that goes basically anything when it comes to if you're talking interdimensional uh, fact or theory is the idea <laughs> that anything exists outside of us that we are 100% subject and vulnerable to with no control over whether it be uh, demons, God, aliens, the idea <clears throat> that there is something else out there. We are not alone, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, and we're completely subject to whatever it is the hell that they want or what they're going to do. You tell that to any civilization that we are, you know, familiar with. And yeah, of course, they're going to freak out. The idea that they aren't in control of whatever is in front of them, I think, is going to freak anybody out, regardless of what label you give the entity even the word alien i mean that's that's the only friendly term that we have to categorize this entire idea and if you take away that label and say well it's not an alien it's not a demon it just is it's 
something. We don't have a word for it. All we have is this idea and category of something that we feel is what is going on in front of us. That's that, that would be my understanding when it comes to like interdimensional, especially when you're talking about uh, breaking down, you know, a nonlinear time frame. It, the idea of, of trying to understand time, past, present, and future as being malleable instead of already written and to be written will make anybody go insane because our entire lives are wrapped around that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, us humans try to, we work on prediction and patterns and what will happen next. So we live our day to day. If I go upstairs and if my, uh, my, my uh, tor tortilla chips aren't there, I'm going to be pissed. I predict that they're up there and I'll, I predict I have some salsa and they'll make me happy. I'd be disappointed if they're not up there. Uh, they might not be up there. I'm supposed to be on a, a diet, but we'll, we don't know. <sighs> Well, we're uh, running out of time here. Zoom does this stupid forty-minute time limit, and I'm I'm not going to keep you. I know you're an old man. You gotta you gotta I go am. to bed. <laughs> um, but uh, in closing, did you want to plug your socials and maybe give us uh, your idea of what the rest of the year has in store for us? Uh, yeah, I mean, people just can go to obdmpod.com. There's everything there from our RSS feed to links to the YouTube. And for the rest of the year, I, I'm sticking to my prediction that uh, this whole election will be decided by uh, by December 15th. And, I, and if Joe Biden does win, I don't think he's going to make it to Inauguration Day. Me either. That, that's the general consensus, I think. I think Kamala was the, the plan from the beginning. Yeah. If, if they can actually get through this whole shit show that's going on right now. But Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Hopefully hey, we can have hey, you on again sometime. I'll, I can have you guys on the OBDM show. That would yeah. be awesome. You know, so just let me know. Give me an email and we'll line something up, man. Cool, man. Thanks. Well, uh, nice meeting you guys. Have Bye, a great man. rest Bye, of your Joe. day, man. Bye.